Isaiah chapter 9. We are, we are uh, taking a little bit of a break from the series we've been in all year long on roots and, and uh, going through uh, much of the uh, Sermon on the Mount and talking about the basics that Jesus taught us as we attempt to live a life that honors him. And we're going to be continuing that into next year. And so that's going to be our theme for next year as well. But for this Christmas, this Christmas season, as I was praying, God kind of drew me back to uh, what what Christmas is about, the beginnings of Christmas. And there's all kinds of different ideas for Christmas message series. I know one one of my friends is uh, preaching on, uh, it's he's, he's doing four messages on Christmas movies, right? I told him the first one should be in honor of COVID, Home Alone. <laughs> I thought that was appropriate, right? Yeah. But I've never been one like that. Um, I'm not that clever. But uh, this year, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 9 and the, basic, the, the beginnings, the roots of what Christmas is supposed to be about. If you would stand with me as we read Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 2. This is a prophetic passage, prophecy about the Messiah it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people, who have, uh, the people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did in the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Why? Verse 6, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. You may be seated. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of a baby, obviously. The one who would grow to become the man who would die to pay the price for our freedom from sin. He didn't just enter the world to be a baby. This was, uh, he was and is so much more. I, the, the Bible is full of names of Jesus and names for Jesus, the different names of God. And I think my favorite, not I think, I know my favorite descriptive of Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I think it's such a powerful name. I think it, it, uh, it, it says so much about the character of, of our Savior, of our God. The older I get, the longer I follow Jesus, the more I understand the things that I was taught and the truths that I taught to others as a young man. I learn more about grace and mercy, about happiness and sacrifice. I remember growing up, uh, growing into ministry, and uh, I have to be honest, I, I was kind of on the harsher side uh, at times, and I was young, I was immature, and thought that some things were more important than others, but as, I, as I've grown older, as I've grown in ministry and, and matured, and hopefully matured, I have to use that word very loosely for myself because maturity is not one of my greater um, abilities. But as I've learned more about ministry in this walk, the more I understand the things that I was taught and the things I shared, the things I taught with teenagers all those years I was a youth pastor and the things I thought were so, things I said were so important, yet I didn't really incorporate them and give them the level of importance in my life, the more I understand them, the grace and mercy part of my faith and the happiness and sacrifice part of my faith, the less angry and judgmental I have become. The more forgiving and the more willing to forgive I become. The greater my desire for unity in the body of Christ in individual lives. 
Because the older I get and the farther I go with Jesus, the more I understand him and his purpose. There's an old song I used to love to sing uh, in church with a group that would drown me out. It says, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven. My heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. That's true not because Jesus figures me out or learns how to be a better Jesus. It's true because I've become, hopefully, daily, a better follower of Jesus. It's not because I figure him out. It's because I figure out that I need him and need to rely on him more. And more importantly, the qualifications to redeem Sorry, I figure him out and the more I need him more than the air I breathe, at least if I want to please him and have my heart, my life matter for eternity. And I think as I've grown older in my faith and as I've grown older in ministry, I've truly understood, and I, I think it's why I mention it so often in messages, that it's not about, it's not about the, the volume, right? We... We talk a lot about uh, if you listen to sports radio or you listen to anybody or even in your, in, in your work life, people talk about a body of work, right? Your life's body of work. And I understand the, the context of that. I understand the context within uh, a career. I understand the context within business and things like that. But the, the older I get, the farther I go down the road, the more I understand the teachings of Jesus, the more I realize that my body of work as a Christian isn't what matters. It's not about the volume of my service. It's about the passion of my service. It's about the quality of my service. It's not the quantity of my service. It's the quality of my service. Now, <laughs> here in our text, we Read a prophecy of the coming Messiah, a prophecy about Jesus. Promises us that a child will be born that will have all the answers. All the power, all the love, and all the greatness that will be needed to redeem a fallen world. And more importantly, the qualifications to redeem a fallen race of humanity. Jesus ultimately did die for our sins, we know that, and he provided redemption for us. But before our faith becomes sight... There's a whole lot of life that has to be lived and navigated. I worked for a pastor out in Kansas who is an old Kansas plainsman, and he said, you know, we long for the sweet by and by, but we have to live in the nasty now and now, right? And it's all, all well and good to look towards heaven and think about heaven and, and set your, your heart and your eternal soul on heaven but the fact of the matter is there's a life here right now that has to be lived. And while we can think about that and we can look forward to that, if we end up looking beyond the now and now to the eternal future, we're going to miss what this is all about. We're going to miss a whole lot of opportunities and we're going to miss a whole lot of chances to Minister, and we're, going to, and we're going to, honestly, we're going to miss the opportunity to grow closer to Jesus. Now, see, Jesus didn't just die to give you eternal life. He also died that you would have the power to live this life successfully, abundantly, and fruitfully. He says in his word, not me, Jesus says, without me, you can't do, you can do nothing. Without me, you can't do anything. Oh, you can accomplish stuff in life, and we can hang our hats on our accomplishments, but it's all, all, the, all those are, are your accomplishment. accomplishments. And, and as the Bible tells us, all our accomplishments, all our works, all the things that we do in our own power for our own selves, for our own glory, for our own promotion, is just filthy rags. It's emptiness. It's nothingness. It's trash. What matters is what you do with him, through him, and for him. And so he died not just to give you eternal life, 
But as he says in the Gospel of John, to give you life, but life more abundantly. Life full of power and passion and energy and service and ministry. And life full of the opportunity and the ability to make great change. I know a lot of, a lot of pastors, a lot of people who have big dreams and big goals and they set goals. I, I know some pastors who set goals on, they want to be able, they want, their, their ultimate goal is to speak at a certain conference or to speak at a certain church that's not theirs. Like, okay, that's a goal for yourself, I guess. I don't think, I, I, I personally, I don't think, and, and you can disagree with me, this is not, this is just me speaking. I think those kind of goals are selfish goals. And I don't think that God is in the middle of those goals. See, I, I, I love to preach. I love to do what I do, but I love to preach here. This is where God's called me. This is what God's called me to do. He hasn't called me to do crazy things somewhere else or, or have my ego boosted by my accomplishments. He's called me to follow him no matter what that path leads to. Now, our text here in Isaiah chapter 9 gives us some clues as to how he wants to change us and minister to us and use us in this life. There's four names for Jesus that are given here. We're going to be talking about them over the next four weeks, one each week. First name for Jesus in this passage is Wonderful Counselor. Now, in some, uh, I know in uh, uh, Handel's Messiah, right, they break that up into two names, Wonderful Counselor. And many people do that, but in the text, it's actually one name, Wonderful Counselor. He's the Wonderful Counselor. It's not just an empty title. It's not just a nickname. This name for Jesus has meaning and purpose for us as his followers. The word wonderful in this passage literally means incomprehensible. <clears throat> something extraordinary. Something inexplicable, unexplainable. This word is much weightier than the way it's used in normal conversation today. The idea here is that the Messiah will cause us to be full of wonder. And let's stop there for just a second and ask ourselves this question. Seriously, Christian, I mean, let's be honest. I'm not being hyperbolic here. I'm not trying to make, uh, be, uh, you know, be sarcastic or anything. Let me just ask yourself this question. When was the last time your walk with Jesus left you in wonder of his greatness? When was the last time your walk with Jesus left you in wonder of his power? Left you in wonder with what he is doing in your life? What he wants to do? And listen, I'm not being critical here. I'm not trying to, to make you feel guilty or anything like that. What I'm saying is that life here gets so busy. We get so overwhelmed that we get so worn down with life that many times, it's the old, that old cliche, you can't see the forest for the trees. So many times in this life, we can't see the wonder of Jesus because of the cloudiness of our day. And we're being overwhelmed with the struggles of life. And it causes us to lose focus, lose perception, and lose the passion to see the wonder of Jesus every day in our lives. We were driving in this morning uh, from Chicopee for picking up Miss Joan. And the idea, some, somebody said something about the word missionary, use the word missionary. And Gabriel asked us about being a missionary. So we had a great opportunity to talk to our boys. And, and Joan jumped in, chimed in about what it means to be a missionary. And we, mistake, we, we mistakenly think that missionaries are people that go overseas and people that, you know, do missionary. You're a missionary every day, every day. In fact, we are in a great mission field here in, in the Western Mass, especially in the Springfield metro area. I, my, my degree uh, 
and I took classes uh, in college on cross-cultural ministries. Now, we could look around our auditorium here, and when the, the entire church is here, look around. I had somebody say to me uh, a couple weeks back, a, a, a visitor, said, wow, you have a lot of diversity in your church. I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty cool to hear. I, I see it, but I don't really recognize it because it's just us. But what it does help me to see and understand is that God has placed us in a very special mission field. We don't have to go overseas. We don't have to go to another country. We are here in, in the Springfield metropolitan area, and we have the opportunity to have cross-cultural ministry every minute of every day. There's always someone that we're meeting in our lives coming from a different culture, coming from a different background, coming from a different perspective than us. And we have the chance and have the privilege and have the challenge of putting our ministry, our training, our teaching as Christians into practice every day, into reaching across to those people that we may not understand, right? Reaching out to those people that we, uh, we don't really know much about. I'll be honest with you, if you, I, I, I work over at the high school here in East Long Meadow and East Long Meadow is like a loaf of Wonder Bread, right? Every slice is the same. We're all white, right? I mean, for the most part. And it's, there's not a heck of a lot of diversity. The diversity is, do you live on the north side or the south side? Does your, do your parents make multiple six-figure salaries or only is there just a one in the first you know, I mean, that's, that's the diversity in our town. So it's a challenge to get out of our comfort zone here and to reach out to a community where people are different than me, where people see things different than me than me. And listen, I'm not talking about making myself a better person, growing myself as a man. What I'm talking about is putting into practice the things that I've learned, the things that God has taught me and the, the things that he has said to me to reach everybody, to reach different people, to reach a diverse crowd. I start doing that by reminding myself every day and being reminded every day how wonderful my Savior is, how amazing my Savior is. I, I was, uh, was watching, um, I think it's Up TV. And they have a, a, the Gaither, Gaither videos. And there was one that was contemporary Christian music. And you always know that you're getting older when they bring back the people of your youth um, to do a reunion type of, uh, they had For Him on there and uh, the Imperials from back in the 70s and the early 80s. And, oh, goodness. But I listened to those and Amy Grant, was, you know, uh, singing Michael W. Smith. And, and it brought me back to those days as a young man where I was learning so much about my faith and learning so much about ministry and those songs that challenged me and, and dug deep into my spirit and gave me the understanding of who Jesus was. And, and Sandy Patty was on there and Larnell Harris sang a song, More Than Wonderful. That's what Jesus is to me, man. So bringing it back to that question, when was the last time your walk with Jesus, your faith, when was the last time it left you in wonder of who he is, of what he, what he can do, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he wants to do in your life? When was the last time you allowed Jesus to leave you in wonder. The word counselor here means to advise, to give counsel, to plan, to consult together. That's the idea of, of this, this name counselor, this word counselor. To 
plan together. So we put these two words together and we come up with this idea that we have this amazing, beyond our comprehension, wonder of a Savior who wants to sit down with us and talk together about our life. He wants to have input into our life. He wants to help us understand and navigate this life. I'd even go this far as to say, Jesus wants to leave you in wonder every day of who he is and what he can do for you. Jesus is our incomprehensible advisor and life planner. Paul wrote that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Colossians 2.3. In Ephesians 3.20 he says, Now unto him who is able to, be, to, to do beyond all that we ask or think. In Romans 8.28 he says that Jesus is able to make all things work together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Do you allow the wonder of the... Because I read those three verses and more like them and that leaves me in awe of who my Savior is and what he wants. And quite honestly, if we're, if we're being transparent, if we're being honest, I think many times we'd, we'd have to say we read those and we, we read those verses and we understand them in their... in, in, in the... In the macro sense, I guess. And we understand that God has a big plan for the world and God can do big things in this world. But when it comes to making it personal, we don't always do that. We don't always allow <clears throat> the wonder of God, the wonder of our Savior, the wonder of the Messiah to dig in to us personally. When we put these two words together to describe Jesus, we learn that he's the most gifted, talented, wise, compassionate, generous, and kind counselor and teacher <clears throat> that we could ever hope to have. Christmas is a time of year that we celebrate joy and peace, celebrate love and all the good things in life. But in my opinion, it's the easiest time of the year to put on a mask and hide from the world to get wrapped up in celebration and tradition so much that we miss the point of our celebration and the reason for our joy. I, I've asked, and I, I have to be real careful because you can really offend people, but I've asked people, especially people who are very, very blunt with me about the fact that they don't believe in God. They reject the Bible. Okay, I get that, but you celebrate Christmas. Why? Well, it's a... It's a no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, church. Understand this. This is, what I, this is where when I say I think we should be in church on Christmas Sunday morning when it falls on a Sunday, I mean it because Christmas is about Jesus. It's not about a tree. It's not about presents. Those are all part of it, and I have no problem with that at all, but we should be here to celebrate Jesus. And I think that's like every Sunday in our lives. And we say that a lot. And I think we have to keep saying it because we have to recover from the debacle of COVID and what it did. It's the easiest time of the year, I believe, to put on that mask. To put on a life of, of false happiness. Because you're supposed to be happy at Christmas. You're supposed to be joyful at Christmas. We're supposed to love the Christmas lights. We're supposed to love uh, spending $20 a car to go and drive through Forest Park, right? We're supposed to love those things. It's, it's expected. And nobody will, nobody will judge you for being happy and joyful during Christmas. But I wonder about the reason why we celebrate. Do we celebrate because it's, it's a time to celebrate? Do we celebrate because of family? Do we celebrate because of uh, you know, whatever it may be? We're walking in a winter wonderland. I don't know. Do we celebrate why? Of all people, let's be honest, of all people, we're followers of Jesus. We should celebrate Christmas because of Jesus. 
and all that goes with it. Listen, I, I think I, I love everything about that goes with Christmas. I have no problem with those kind of things. I, I really don't. Yet and still, it comes back to Jesus and celebrating him. We don't just celebrate that he was born, but we should celebrate why he was born. What his birth offers to us, the doors that it opens for us. Jesus is the God of wonders. He healed the sick. He enabled the lame to walk. He gave blind people their sight. He raised the dead. He turned water into wine. Jesus fed thousands with a little boy's lunchable. Listen, man. Jesus is the God of wonders. My favorite part of, my, when I was in Sunday school growing up as a little kid, the things I loved, I loved the Old Testament heroes. I loved the stories about David. Uh, loved the stories about Samson, uh, Moses. Loved those stories. I, I, I think one of my, uh, you know, my, going through the judges, uh, loved the, the accomplishments of the judges. And Joshua, what a great guy Joshua was. And then I loved the, the stories of Jesus. I loved the healing stories of Jesus. I loved the way Jesus showed his love and grace. And, and it's kind of, it, it's ironic that I go back to what I said at the beginning, that growing up in ministry, the harsher things were more important to me than really the love of Jesus. Because as a child, it was all about the love of Jesus, wasn't it? As a child, that's what drove, and, and kids loved Jesus, right? Kids loved Jesus. The, uh, the disciples, they didn't like kids. They were like me, and they'd, you know, get away from me, kid. Get away from me. But Jesus said, oh, no. No, no, let the kids come to me. Such is the kingdom of heaven. When we look at Christmas, when we look at, at Jesus, when we look at the Messiah, when we, when we think about our Savior at this time of year. I challenge you, as we go through these names, try to look at him with wonder again. Try to look at him with the wonder of your faith again, of, of who he really is and what he really wants to do and, and what he truly can do in your life. Now, we look at this name, Wonderful Counselor, and I think the question has to be asked, why do we need a counselor like Jesus? Why? And that's like the first thing, right? That's the first, the first inspired name that was given to Isaiah to write here was wonderful counselor. Why is, a, why is Jesus being a wonderful counselor to us so important? I think the first reason, let me give you three reasons. And they all kind of center on the same idea. The first reason is this, man, because the world is broken. Right? The world is broken. Anybody disagree? <laughs> the world is broken. Listen, the World Cup is going on right now. And I know here in America, we, you know, we're you know, ugly Americans. We did get beat yesterday, so we're done. But over in Qatar, the American fans were, were chanting, it's called soccer. Okay, that's cute. But, but a couple billion people in the world call it football. So I think they probably win the argument. But you want to know how broken this world is? How, 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 how pathetically broken this world is? Our United States Soccer Federation put a, uh, a picture up on, the we on their website or tweeted it or something. I, they, they put it out there in, the, in the, the world of the Internet. And it was a picture of the Iranian flag without the Islamic Republic symbols on it. Now, that was standing in, they say it was standing in unity with the protesters, and I get all that. I get all that. But we're playing soccer. And we're playing soccer, okay? We're playing soccer. So you just drag, our world is so broken, and we're so filled with anger and, and division and ugliness that we have to make a political statement in a soccer game. Come on. 
Why did Jesus come to this world to be our wonderful counselor? Man, because this world is broken. One reason we celebrate Jesus is because of the hope that he offers. The hope that we can see in him. My hope is not found in a political system. My hope is not found in a flag. And let me tell you, it drives me crazy. I was talking to Aaron about this. Um, I'm at the school, and I'm a proud veteran, raised by a proud veteran from a proud veteran's family, a heritage. Man, it, I'm telling you, it drives me insane. Not really insane, but it makes my blood boil a little bit when a high school senior, the senior class president, comes on the, the, the PA at, and they still do the morning announcements in East Long Meadow at the high school. And he says, let's all, first thing he did, let's all stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, I stop wherever I'm at. I, I, I face, if I can't see a flag, I face the direction where I know there's an American flag, put my hand over my heart. That's not gospel. I'm not doing anything to honor Jesus. I'm doing that to honor my country and the freedom that I have. But it drives me up a tree when I see teachers, while that's going on, standing there in the hallway, smoking and joking like they're on the block. That's military terms. Okay, You have no respect. And you're okay to do that because it's America and you have every right to do that. But don't, tell, don't then complain to me about anything because you have no respect for those who gave their lives for what you take so, for granted. Anyway, see what I mean about being broken? We celebrate Jesus because of the hope that he offers. The hope that we see in him. Not the hope we see in things that are so visible for us. Not things that are temporary, but things that are eternal. Paul wrote to us in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. If our hope is only for this life, we should be pitied more than anyone. I, I uh, read a, an article where... Uh, Rather than challenging people to turn to Jesus Christ and give their hearts to Jesus, this pastor wrote, well, listen, if you just follow the teachings of Jesus, it'll make your life a better life. Paul says, if this is the only place, if this is the only life we have hope of Jesus, we should be pitied. Because he has something greater for us planned. And if the life, I'll take it a little bit farther, if the life that you have planned for yourself is the only life that you have hope in, you should be pitied as a Christian. Because there is so much more from your wonderful counselor. So much more that he wants to give to you. Why do we need a counselor like Jesus? Not just because the world is broken, but because the world needs answers. Jesus was born to be the source of all wisdom. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. It's a pretty tough standard to hold your wisdom to, isn't it? The world doesn't just need answers. The world needs peace. The world needs peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We're going to be talking about that in a few weeks. He's the source of peace. He's the creator of peace. Why do you seek peace from something that is anything other than the source of peace? This world is broken. It's broken in many different ways. It's broken in many different attitudes. It's broken in many different philosophies. It's broken in the lives of its people. And only Jesus can heal this brokenness. Only Jesus can heal the brokenness of the world. So how do we put that in, how, do, how do we make that practical? This Christmas, when you celebrate, why don't you try celebrating Christmas by sharing the healing power of Jesus with something out in your world? And just like we told our boys this morning, and just like Miss Jones shared with Gabriel this morning, it's not about and Aaron said this, it's it's not about preaching a sermon. It's not about telling them and beating them over the head with the Bible. It's about living Jesus in front of them. This world is broken. 
and it's broken beyond our ability to fix it. But we have access to the most amazing counselor and advisor. Why don't this Christmas, why don't you allow him to lead you to people and situations where you can make a difference for your faith and with your faith and share with them the love of the one who came to this earth to die for their sins. Don't keep the greatest gift of all to yourself. Why else do we need this wonderful counselor? Not just because the the world is broken, but because relationships are broken. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to put this in my notes or not, but as I prayed about it, I figured go ahead and write it down. Just because... um, because I think, I think sometimes we avoid thinking about uncomfortable, painful stuff. But in order to learn the lessons of history, we have to learn from our history. In order to become better people ourselves and even better Christians. And listen, in order to become better church members, you may have come from a different church. You may have come from a very difficult struggle in church. And maybe what we do here and the things we do here is a bit much. Maybe it's, it's a lot. Maybe the idea of being faithful on Sundays uh, isn't something foreign because it's always just been whatever. Um, And maybe the way that church was done kind of broke relationships. And maybe you have people that you used to go to church with where the relationships are broken and and you can't see any any repair there. Let me ask, let let me just throw this out there. Just imagine how full your life could be, how effective your ministry could be how effective our church could have been had the broken relationships in your walk with Jesus been mended instead of shredded. Think about that. I think about that. I mourn the loss of friends. I mourn the loss of people who were were profitable in ministry But because of foolishness, sin, that is forgivable, they chose arrogance, or I chose arrogance, over, and and we chose pettiness, over repairing relationships. And I think about that. I think about what could have been. And I pray that someday it could be again. I I often wonder why people stay in a church where they're so miserable. Truly, I do. And that drives me here at this church not to pander to people, not to cater to people, but to adjust my attitude. I have a board of deacons and I have friends that that, uh, hold me accountable with things and, and, uh, and really help me to see what's important in relationships with people and, and what's not important. And, and being right, folks, listen, can I, can I, just, can I just share some, some old man wisdom with you, especially you younger, you younger folks? Being right is overrated. Winning the argument, it's overrated. Making your point heard That's immensely overrated. Immensely overrated. You know what's not overrated? Dear friends that are there for you through thick and thin. Friends of faith that you can count on. People that, and they don't want anything from you. You don't have to impress them. They're just people that you can be yourself with people that know what it's like to battle every day this battle, this war of faith, and people who know sometimes you just need to be able to lay your sword down and be safe, be safe in their friendship. I'll be honest with you, one of the, the, not one of, you can talk to my mom about this as well. She was uh, a pastor's wife for 720 years.
the hardest part of my job is not preparing a sermon every week. It's not anything to do with the daily grind. The hardest part of my job is trying to get the, the, the knives out of my back. And trying to deal with the knives in my back with a smile because people want to stab us in the back. I mean, and I'm talking to all of us, not just me. Don't pity me. But then smile at you like nothing, nothing matters. And I'm not likening myself to Jesus. I'm likening myself to his attitude. When I remember that some dudes drove nails into his hands and feet, and stuck a spear in his side and put a crown of thorns on his head, treated him pretty badly, and he still died for them and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I know, I know that being concerned about fixing relationships is a very, very difficult thing to do as a Christian because we're human. And because we, we don't, if you haven't noticed, just a couple seconds ago, I was talking about the hurt and pain, and it's still there. It's always going to be there. I can work on it, can try, but you know as well as I do, we're always going to have the scars and the reminders of those things. But Jesus, we're talking about Jesus being our wonderful counselor, right? And he came here to this earth to be our wonderful counselor, because we have broken relationships in life. What's more important, being right, making your point, or seeing people restored to Jesus, restored for, to fruitfulness, restored to power, and then watch, watching them be used to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen, we could, we, we, we could establish a megachurch many times over. Megachurches in, in America is considered to be 2,000 people or more. We could establish a megachurch in this area, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, if we could just get people who were hurt out of church back into church. And every one of you have friends just like that. Let me ask you, are you willing to celebrate this Christmas, this year, by being a wonderful counselor to those people and encouraging them to try faith and church again. Oh, you're tying those two together. I absolutely am. Absolutely. Because I don't believe you can be a good, solid follower of Jesus in this world today and not be a good, solid, faithful member of a local Bible-believing church. Active member of a Bible-believing church. I just don't. You can disagree with me all you want. I've got... The scripture's on my side. Jesus came to be a wonderful counselor to restore relationships. The most important one was your relationship with him. But man, there are relationships in our lives that are broken between brothers and sisters in Christ. Those are the most painful ones, aren't they? Because that's not supposed to happen. We're not supposed to be warring with each other. We're not supposed to be fighting. We're not supposed to be the, the middle people who navigate the war between brothers and sisters in Christ. We're supposed to be the ones that bring people back together. That's what Jesus came here for. Jesus was born to restore relationships. Listen, broken relationships, here's a, here's a slice of obvious pie. Broken relationships are the number one reason for division in families, in lives, and in the church. Number one reason for division is broken relationships. And Jesus was born to restore relationships, and he passed that ministry on to us. 2 Corinthians chapter, six, uh, chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Look at, oh man, look at that. It's not a mistake that God inspired Paul to write those words that way. God was reconciling this world to himself, not 
counting their trespasses against them. Why are we so divided as Christians? Because of what people did. Right? Because of what, what they did to us or what they did in their lives. Oh, yeah. Now, there's no way God's going to use that. Not, God's not going to use that person again. He, he's disqualified. She's disqualified. Who are you? Are you the arbiter of qualifications in this world? Did God, did I miss the, the spiritual gift of ministry qualificationer? It's not good English, but it makes sense. Did I miss that one? It's not there. It's not your call. It's not your job. You know what your job is? To try to restore relationships like Jesus did. As you can't make people come back, you can't, but you sure can try. You start by praying for them. Let's be honest, that's incredibly difficult for us, isn't it? Praying for people that stabbed you, praying for people that punched you in the nose, spiritually speaking. That's tough. But God says, he was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're missionaries, right? We're missionaries for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. When was the last time you pleaded on behalf of the kingdom of God to one of his fallen soldiers, be reconciled to God? Be reconciled. Come on, man. Be reconciled. Okay, I know you were hurt. I know you were hurt by church. But they're just human beings. They're going to be that way. They're all, we're, always, we're always going to be hurt. Listen, uh, Craig Forney and I are... We're, we're Rams fans. Pity us this year. Right? I, I'm sorry to hear this. Shut up. Right? I, I think the East Long Meadow varsity team is starting for us tonight. It's it just, it, it's a tough year. It's a tough year. Down on your luck. You know, you're, but, but you don't give up on those things. You don't walk away from it. You, you stay and you, you stay faithful and and we don't walk away and, and quit on things that we've given ourselves. And, you know, that's a kind of a silly illustration of how we should look at people in a serious way. Just because somebody fell, just because somebody disappointed you, just because somebody hurt you, doesn't mean you give up on them because God doesn't give up on you. Your wonderful counselor doesn't give up on you. He's there for you every... Yeah, but pa come on, Pastor John. Come on. Once is a mistake. Twice is a pattern three times is a habit and three strikes you're out we're not talking about baseball we're talking about life with jesus and serving him and it is not i'm not the umpire <laughs> i'm not neither are you folks we are called to reconcile people to jesus we are called to mend relationships and not just be the arbiter between parties. Be an active part. What was the last time you became active in trying to bring someone? Or do you sit there and listen to their list of grievances and agree with them? Yeah, you, you know what? Yeah, that was. So what? People are going to let you down. They always will. Nobody's perfect. But you can be the one who reaches out and restores relationships on behalf of Jesus Christ because he's called you to that. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, that's, that's the part that always gets me in that passage. You who are spiritual. Listen, if, you've got a, if, if you're not walking with the Lord, this verse doesn't apply to you. You are the one that needs to be restored. If you don't care about the things of God, 
this Galatians 6.1 doesn't apply to you as an active restorer of people. You're the one that needs to be restored. But if you are walking with Jesus, and I'm not saying you're perfect, but if you're walking with Jesus, trying your dead level best to honor him and to honor him with your life, he says, if anyone is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, Pick and choose what matters to you and what doesn't offend you. And if it doesn't offend you too much, and if it's, if it's, if it's palatable to you, then go ahead. and re- That's not what it says, man. It says if anyone is overtaken in a fault, any fault, any sin, any struggle. Why? Because we're all human. Because we all fail. We all fall. And listen... Here's, here's, where it gets, here's where it gets tricky, right? It may be, someone's sin may be very visible, and yours may not be. Doesn't make any difference. And, and one person's sin may be very visible, one person's mistakes may be very visible, and other people's may be very private. Doesn't matter. We're called to restore people and to strive to help them come back to Jesus. That's our, that, that's our call. God uses broken people like you and me to rescue broken people like you and me. Celebrate Christmas by restoring broken relationships in your life. And lastly, why did we need the wonderful counselor of Jesus? Because we are broken. Not only is the world broken, not only are relationships broken, but we are broken. Each and every one of us are broken. Various people have said, God will mend your broken heart if you give him all the pieces. Not if you hold, not, not holding things back, but giving him all the pieces of your broken heart. Jesus was born because he cares for us. Understand that. We celebrate Christmas today because of the birth of Jesus. Why was Jesus born? Because he cares for us. He went through all of that because he cares for us. He knows us best. The psalmist wrote, I will praise him because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's not just your need of a savior that makes you broken. Jesus said, We talked about this a few months ago. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Contrary to what we would expect, brokenness can be the pathway to blessing. There are so many alternative routes that people want us to take, but there are no alternative routes to Jesus. There are no shortcuts. The very thing we dread and are tempted to resist is actually the means to God's greatest blessings in our lives. Nancy Lee Demos said that. Maybe you find yourself in this statement. Some of us have taken side paths in life that have led us to brokenness. That have led us to shame and to hurt. That have brought pain into our lives that we can't deal with on our own. Many of us can't even comprehend the pain that we feel. And don't know that the first step to take to begin to find healing. But that's why Jesus was born. To lead us. To healing. Christian, Jesus was born to lead you to healing. He may use others. He may use other means. But make no mistake, if you are a true follower of Jesus, and you give your life to him, and you pray and you ask him for guidance and direction and healing, he is the one that will guide and direct your path and wind its way in your life to your healing. Make no mistake. He is your healer. Charles Martin said, we're all broken, we all walk with a limp. Here's the truth about you and me. Even when in a far off country, wasted life, stripped bare, smeared, squandered, nothing but scar tissue and shameful, self-inflicted wounds, the love of the father finds the son and the daughter. The lesson here is that you're never, far, you're never so far away from God that he can't reach you. 
And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching us, maybe you will watch this, and you think, yeah, I can, I can participate in church, but God will never use me, and you could never be more wrong in your life. God wants to turn your mess into a message. That's that saying, God wants to turn your test into a testimony. God has a plan for you, no matter how much you've done to destroy the plan that you've made. God has a plan for you. But he can only help you if you'll let him help you. God can only help you if you let him help you. That, that comes down to salvation. Listen, Jesus died on the He was born, he lived, and he died on the cross to save you from your sins. And that's wonderful. He paid the price, the redemption of humanity, the price has been paid for that. But it doesn't matter to you if you won't accept him as your savior. If you will not accept Jesus Christ's payment for your sin, if you think you can do it on your own, if you think you can be good enough, if you're going to believe the lie that uh, when you get to heaven, St. Peter's going to meet you, meet you at these pearly gates and there's going to be scales and he's going to weigh your good and your bad. And if your good outweighs your bad, you're going to get to heaven. If your bad outweighs your good, you're going to go someplace for a little while. And once you pay for it and you're going to come back, that's just, that's just false doctrine, man. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. The only way your, your sin problem can be healed is through Jesus. And Christian, why do we trust Jesus with our eternal soul and the healing of our eternal soul, but we don't trust him with the healing of our daily lives? You see, because he wants to heal you. He wants to heal your brokenness. He wants to heal your, your pain. He wants to help you find purpose in the struggle. Michael Card, great Christian poet and, and uh, songwriter, said, To allow myself to be loved by God in my de deepest brokenness is to experience a love that defies human comprehension. I'm very honest with the fact that I take a prayer drive or a prayer walk every Sunday night. And I don't think there's a Sunday night in that prayer time with God as I prepare to preach on Sunday get myself into the mentality that I need to have to preach on Sunday morning where I do not say to, to my Savior in prayer, I am so unworthy of this calling. Listen, I know me. Just like you know you. I know my brokenness. I know my faults. I know my failures. And I know that if, it was, if I was God, let's be honest, if I was God, there's no way I'd use me. There's no way I'd use me. Just like if you're wanting to build an addition onto your house, you're not going to call me to use the hammer. Listen, if I was God, I wouldn't use me. You know the good news? I'm not God. And neither are you. So I can go to him and I can say, God, I know, I know how unworthy I am. And yet you still have called me to do a job. Would you give me the power? Would you heal my brokenness and give me the power to serve you your way? Folks, he wants to heal you. He wants to mend your brokenness. He tells us that in Revelation 3.21 as we close. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. He heals our broken, he can heal our broken world. He wants to heal our, bro heal our broken relationships. Most importantly, man, he wants to heal your broken life. You just have to let him. And right now he's knocking at the door of your heart, asking to be let in. So you can sit down and have a conversation with him. So he can be a wonderful counselor for you that says to you, hey, this is where we can go from here. The past is the past. The struggle is the struggle. Whatever you don't have, whatever you've wasted, whatever you've thrown away, 
that's okay. I'm here. I am all you need. Let's move on from this place. Let me be your healer. Let me be your wonderful counselor. Bow your heads with me in prayer. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in your house today and thank you for, Lord, all the things you do for us, the amazing things you do for us. Lord, I know that, um, boy, I know this message hit home for me as I was preparing it, Lord, and I know that it hits home for so many, even if we don't want to admit it, Lord, um, it hits home. Father, so many of us limit you in our lives because of our brokenness. Lord, would we, would you just love us to yourself? God, may we as, as, as individuals be spiritual people and love others back to you and stop with the judgment, Lord, and love people back to you. Lord, repair our world. Restore our broken relationships. And God, please restore our broken lives. And bless us as we go from here today. May we honor you. May we go forward as Gabriel asked us this morning. God, may we go from here as missionaries. Sharing your love with this world. Doing our best to reconcile them back to you. In your name we pray. Amen.